Well, here we come to in chapter 7 of Hebrews. And remembering that the writer is speaking to Jewish Christians scattered by persecution across the empire. And under persecution, they're thinking of turning back to Judaism, to the old covenant, to the old sacrificial system. And the writer in these chapters, 7, 8, 9, 10, is saying, excuse me, <coughs> that don't go back to the old covenant to the sacrificial system with the old priest because it was not perfect and it wasn't sufficient. And he keeps pointing that Jesus Christ as a priest, as a mediator of the new covenant is the perfect priest to satisfy the demands of the law and pay for the penalty of sin. And as we reflect on this passage, to think that the character of Levi and the Levitical priesthood shows us the necessity of a better, sinless, perfect priest after the order of Melchizedek. So to answer Mark's question, why do we read that troubling passage from Genesis? That passage shows us that Levi whom God had set apart, saying, I will have a sacrificial system. I will have a priesthood to represent my people for the atonement of sin. But the character of Levi is shown in that chapter as he and his brother Simeon bring justice on the defilement of their sister. And they bring justice with deception, with trickery, and they bring shame on the house of Jacob. Jacob says, you brought trouble to my household. The people of the land will come after me because you've dealt with treachery. They wanted to defend the honor of their sister. But they did it in a wicked way. 
So I want it like red so that we see that the first point in this chapter today for verses 11 to 16 was that the character of Levi and all that Levitical priesthood for thousands of years. This shows that there are sinful, imperfect priests doing God's work as he had instructed both in the tabernacle and in the temple in Jerusalem. But what we see in this priesthood is an imperfect priesthood. An imperfect priesthood that cannot properly represent sinful man before a holy God. And so, there's the first point is a lack of a perfect priest. If Levi and these priests had been good and perfect, the priesthood would have been sufficient. But we see not just Levi's character, but the history of other priests during that long period before Christ comes. We see the wickedness of Eli and his sons. We read of the corruption of priests. How priests took bribes. How they visited prostitutes and more immoral. So while these men were to do a good work for God, they were imperfect and sinful men. Their work pointed to a greater priest. Their work of sacrifices pointed to a greater sacrifice. If their work had been perfect, there would be no need for Christ, the greater priest of a different order. And so we read that if perfection came, through the Levitical priesthood. Under it, the priests received, the people received the law. What further need would there be to arise a priest according to the order of Melchizedek? Levi was not a holy man. To be a holy priest, to represent us before God, 
We needed a holy priest. And that was not the priest of the Levitical line. Even Aaron was not perfect. Remember, Aaron, when Moses was away, took all the gold and out popped a calf. It just showed up that way. Like he didn't know what he did. He was leading the people to idolatry. But what you see is that while those priests were appointed by God under the law, it was not complete or perfect. In fact, the law of God, while it's good, shows us that we can't keep it, that we're sinners. And we need something better. Paul said that the law is a tutor that leads us to Christ. Shows us our sin. The need of a Savior. So God raises up a priesthood. But it's not perfect. It's not totally, totally adequate. It's full of sinful people representing a nation of sinners, families of sinners, individuals. And so, if there had been perfection, there's no need to make the change from Aaron and Levi to the order of Melchizedek. So, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, who is the forerunner of Christ, the perfect priest. Now, what God is showing what the author is reminding us to these Jewish Christians, if the Mosaic law and priesthood was good and perfect, Jesus Christ would not have come into the world, lived a sinless life, and died the perfect sacrifice as the unblemished Lamb of God. And I'm reminding you that this is the priest who deals with sin once and for all. God had set up the priesthood, but now God in His providence is changing the priesthood. And so, there's a change necessitated here. There's a change in the law. The law said the priest had to be 
of the tribe of Levi. So, what's the complaint that many Jewish leaders had about Jesus? Who are you? Who did you study with? How can you be a rabbi without going to theology school? How can how can you be the Messiah? The Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. Did you notice that the Gospels, Jesus never says, by the way, I was born in Bethlehem. They just assumed he was from a little town called Nazareth. So don't listen to him. He can't be the Messiah. He can't be a priest because we know he's not from Levi. So there's all these strikes against Jesus. But what the writer is saying is if Jesus is going to be a priest, and we know he's from Judah. And that's not the priestly line. Then God is making a change in the way things are done. He's changing the law. He's annulling the law. And it's Jesus who can do that. Because Jesus fulfills the law. And I'm sorry, I might have had you read the wrong passage from Matthew. But Jesus said in Matthew 6, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill every jot and tittle. So if the law is fulfilled, because Christ, the high priest, kept it. Then we have a sinless priest to mediate and represent us. You see, with the Levitical priesthood, we you have sinful priests representing sinners. And if that priest is honest, you would recognize, how can I represent this man as he brings a bull or a lamb or a goat? I'm worse than he is. And the priest recognized that to some degree. That on the day of atonement, because the sinful high priest had to go in to the holy of holies. I tied a rope around his ankle. What happens if he dies? No one can go and pull his body out because we're all sinners. We can't stand 
before a holy God. So we see the problem, the dilemma. How can sinful people represent other sinners? Well, God says, it's not a problem. I have a solution. The solution is, I'll give you a sinless priest out of the tribe of Judah under a different order. It necessitates a change in God's ways of doing things. See, the law, as good as it was, couldn't keep us from sin or deliver us from sin or purify us from sin. The Old Testament sacrifices only covered our sin. In a way, it blocked God's sight from our sinfulness, but it did not remove it and purify us once and for all. So God, in His provision, says, I'll give you a priest who can complete the job in a perfect way. But he's not like Levi. He's of a different tribe, of a different order. He's a righteous priest, as Melchizedek was a righteous priest. And so, what he promises in verse 15, that there must come another priest, not according to the, the law of the flesh, not a man born of the Levitical line, but a priest given to you in a supernatural virgin birth who represents the power of an endless life. Think about what that statement is saying. The Levitical priest, a sinner, could not remove sin. The blood of an animal. Though God said, there's no remission of sin without the shedding of the blood. How come, how can a bull or a goat or a lamb, which has no sin nature and no sin record, represent you and I as sinners. They can't. But it was God's provision in the old covenant to bring sinners by grace through faith still to salvation. But by raising up Jesus Christ, not 
of the flesh of the Levi, but of the virgin birth, conceived by the Spirit. There's the power of an endless life. Because the Son of God, remember we said on Christmas Day, the Son that was given, the child that was born, the endless life of the Son of God. For all eternity, the Son of the Father, very God of very God. And it's by the work of Christ that He can take a sinner. Remember Ephesians 2 says, We were dead in sin but made alive Christ. What does Christ, our priest, do? He takes us dead in sin. He just doesn't wink at sin and cover it, but he takes it away. And he makes us who are dead to be alive. He gives us new life, a new birth, abundant life and endless life for all eternity. So, brothers and sisters, be encouraged. This is what God does by giving a priest not like Levi who is imperfect and sinful but a priest tempted in all points of the law, but without sin, who gives to us life, abundant life, eternal life. So we have confidence in Christ that His work is sufficient to deal with sin once and for all. See, the temptation is what if Jesus' work wasn't good enough? That's what some groups tell us. You start with Jesus and you work out the rest on your own. You have to keep doing things to merit final salvation. That's not the gospel. In Christ, His work is sufficient once and for all, for all eternity. So the work that Christ starts with us, He finishes. So when we die, it's not going to purgatory to finish what Christ could not complete. No, the work is complete. And the believer upon death is brought before God, God's throne as an unblemished child of God because this priest, Christ, had a perfect sacrifice brings forgiveness of sin and imputes to us 
his righteous record. Say amen. Amen. Now, if we're going to take away the imperfect priesthood, it shows that need for a strong and profitable priest. Verses 16 to 19. And again, the writer goes back to this often quoted verse from Psalm 110 that this priest, Jesus Christ, is a priest not like Aaron or Levi, but like Melchizedek. Several times in these chapters, he refers to Psalm 110. So the writer is reminded that David wrote, David foresaw by the power of the Spirit the end of the Levitical priesthood and the giving, the promise of a new, better priest that's in the line of David, my son. So David refers to this in the psalm. And throughout the New Testament, that there's one appointed to be this priest who will sit at the right hand of God in glory. No one else in history has the honor to sit at the right hand of the Father. In Mark 16, after Jesus spoke to the apostles, after the resurrection, Mark says, the Lord Jesus was taken up in the heaven and took his seat the right hand of God the seat of the Messiah prophet, priest and king and this points to that this priest is truly the son of David promised and again, the Jewish leaders especially. How can, how can you be Messiah? Where were you born? Because they had it in their minds. He's from Galilee. He's from Nazareth. His father is a carpenter named Joseph. And they never understood. And I don't know why. It's not recorded. <clears throat> why it's not mentioned. That he was born in Bethlehem. But. Perhaps. They wouldn't have believed it. But. The son of David is the priest of God. 
after the order of Melchizedek, the priest who can sit on the right-hand throne. And uh, the next couple of verses remind us that in verses 18 and that, that there's an annulment of the former commandments of the law of God. Because of Christ's perfection keeping the law, his perfect priesthood and sacrifice, the civil and ceremonial laws are completely fulfilled. Now again, there are many groups, Jews and others today, who still want to argue we must keep the civil and ceremonial laws. But Christ fulfilled them. Yes, the moral law, the Ten Commandments are still valid. But the ceremonial law of the sacrificial system has been fulfilled in Christ. And what he's saying here, there's an annulment of the former command. Why? He says, it's weak and unprofitable. Was it good? Yes. In God's timing and covenant, it covered our sin. But it couldn't deliver from the penalty and power of sin. So it was not profitable for true sanctification. But the work of Christ is neither weak nor unprofitable. It's powerful. It's strong. It profits the sinner because it pays for the penalty of sin. It purges from the power and presence of sin. And ultimately, in glory, the presence of sin. The Old Testament priest could not do that. The blood of bulls and goats could only cover the priest as a representative was still a sinful representative. But here we have complete atonement. The taking away of sin as far as the east from the west. And God looks upon our sin no more. Because Christ was the legal, penal substitution. Christ, who had no sin, breaks the power of sin. And we're no longer slaves to sin. Amen. John the Baptist got it right. Behold, the Lamb 
God who takes away the sin of the world. Not just covers it, but he takes it away. And so, the law, it was good, but it didn't make perfection. We need a priest who brings perfection. This is the work of Christ. And with the work of Christ, he says that there's the bringing of a better hope by which, through which, we draw near to God. So think about if you lived under the old covenant and you know I've done sinful things. I need to go to the temple and I'm going to bring my lamb. Maybe it's the Passover feast. And you go through the ritual. You put your hands on the lamb. It's slain. The blood is shed. And what you know, God is satisfied. But deep down, doesn't it gnaw at you? Do I really have hope? Do I really have assurance of the forgiveness of sins? Because you know, I'm going to sin again. And I got to bring another sacrifice another time. And you can see how some people might despair and might even say, why bother? I might as well go be a pagan and go to their temples. And that's part of the writing of the book of Hebrews. These Christians scattered about the empire are starting to lose hope. Is Christ sufficient? Should we go back to the old ways or even assimilate pagan practices? into it. That's gone on, gone on through the church throughout history. Practices of the culture get brought in to the church. And you can see how you might lose hope. Am I forgiven? Am I on good terms with God? Or is he still angry at me with my guilt? But brothers and sisters, when do we realize that Christ replaced the weak, unprofitable system with a complete, strong, powerful, perfect system, a complete sacrifice 
by a righteous lamb. Now, when Jesus says, you're forgiven, it's done. Satan cannot accuse you and say, you did it again. There's no hope. You're in trouble. And Jesus, the defense attorney, says, no, I dealt with that sin. Once and for all, at the cross. And that gives us hope that Christ is the anchor of our soul. That the work He started, He completes. And praise God, He loses none of His people, of His elect, of His sheep. Amen? So, <clears throat> Levi in his priesthood were imperfect, sinful men, sometimes downright scoundrels. There was a need of a better priesthood. God gave us the better priest, Christ, in the order of Melchizedek to complete the work once and for all. And that gives us hope. Do you have hope today? So action points. I want you to have confidence in Christ. Look to no other. Look to no other priest. No other ritual. No other religion. Don't beat yourself, you know, with a whip and say, I can atone for this and I'll do better. Just live in repentance and faith because you're united to Christ whose work was good and perfect. And you must, we must preach and bear witness of the work of Christ. People want to be forgiven of sin. People feel guilt. They're weighed down. They want deliverance. But I'll find it. I'll go to the Catholic priest. I'll say so many prayers. I'll light these candles. I'll pray through this crystal. I'll do whatever. People do all kinds of religious rituals to get rid of their guilt. Because deep down, if they're honest, they know they're sinners. And God isn't. He's just and holy. But we must preach Christ, this perfect priest, with a sinless life. 
in his death on the cross, in his resurrection, that there's power to forgive sinners, give them a new life, a life of forgiveness, sanctification, and hope now and forever. So, why are we told, disciple, baptize, teach, go? Because people need this priest and not some other priest of some other system. Or even going back to Judaism. And there are some in Israel today thinking, some Christians do, that the temple has to be rebuilt. But that's a fallacy. There's no need to build that temple because Christ was the perfect temple, the perfect priest, and the perfect sacrifice. Gain your confidence in Christ. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture that Christ did what Levi couldn't. Even when there were good and righteous priests, they were flawed. But they looked forward to the perfect priests. Moses and Abraham looked forward to a different kingdom, a different citizenship. And all those types are fulfilled in Christ. Thank you for Jesus who dealt with sin, our sin, once and for all. Sins of thought, word, deed, omission, commission, past, present, and future. All dealt with by Jesus, our priest, our merciful, sympathetic high priest. Let us draw near to Christ, confident of his work, his forgiveness, his righteousness. And let us hope and not despair Because his work is good and complete and sufficient. In his name, amen. Thank you.